Well, it's, it's quite it's quite warm over here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in a I'm in a main station in. Well, I'm over in Hong Kong. Um, hang on, there's a guy running out. Who's this? It's, 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 oh, hang on, it's Pe- Petter. Petter, a stop. Hey, Petter, how are you getting on, man? You okay? Yeah, I'm good so far. Pretty good, hey. yes. Oh, brilliant. Hey, listen, thanks ever so much for coming on the show uh, today. You're our, your first uh, Swedish uh, competitor. So uh, I'll just make you a quick uh, a quick drink. If you could uh, give a quick introduction of um, of who you are to the to the listeners that that don't know who you are, and uh, then we'll, we'll we'll talk about the Hong Kong 100 and a few of the other races that you've you've been and what you've got coming on. Okay, so I'm Swedish, but uh, I live in um, Chamonix, France, for the moment, together with my family, and. Um, since some years back, I've been running in the mountains and trying to find uh, races in different parts of the world I haven't been. And uh, yeah, I'm trying now to compete in some of the more competitive races. Oh, excellent. And how, how long have you been competing um, now, Pete Petter? Um, well, I started running in the mountains as um, a way to explore my new place where I was living uh, around Chamonix area and uh, yeah I was uh, doing longer and longer training runs and then I signed up for some races and it went pretty good and I've been running races since 2015. Wow and you know as the listeners will hear as we're going along the day that you've, you've you're progressing at a really good pace, and you know you couldn't be in a in a better location to uh, to train. Um, and so, well, we're here to talk first of all uh, about the Hong Kong one hundred, which was I think three weeks ago. Uh, now it was the yeah. it's the tenth year, isn't it? Um, celebrations of the Hong Kong one hundred. Yeah, exactly. It was the tenth anniversary. Yeah, and um, can you just explain a little bit about the actual? race setup and where you run through and then we'll go you know and discuss you know how your performance went um yeah so for all of us that you know are looking at races overseas and so on what was it that appealed to you about the hong kong 100 um it's appealing in many ways because it's uh first of all it's a bit exotic coming from the mountains you have you're running in uh, jungles and over beaches and then you get up on some hills and crests and you're looking down to this massive uh, city with the forest of skyscrapers. And it's just um, so different and um, amazing in many ways. And you have monkeys running on the streets and yeah, it's, it's, it's fun in, in, in this sense. And the race is... Um, a bit faster than many of the races have been previously, I would say. It's um, not that technical, most of it. It's fairly runnable, uh, especially the first part. And then in the second part, you are going on the some of the highest peaks around Hong Kong, and you have lots of stairs. And um, yeah, so it's... Um, both the scenery, um, the um, climate, environment, and um, the the trail is, you know, something new and uh, interesting for me coming from the mountains. Yeah, I think you know you've you've painted a, 
an amazing picture and I I followed it, you know, the race all the way through. The coverage is, especially for the overseas races and all the ultra races now seems to be getting better and better. And there was, you know, that's how um, I found you in a sense because of, you know, the, the, the coverage, which is brilliant. And in terms of the, the, the entry, is it balloted or how, how do people go about entering the race? Um. It's fairly big. Yeah, I think you have um, 1,800 starters this year. And mm. um, I'm not exactly sure if that was the maximum number reached. Okay, so was were, did you just, as a case, um, pay your money to enter? Or, you know, is there a waiting list? Or is it as simple as that if, you know, people want to go and, you know, enter the race? Is it a non-balloted event sort of thing? Yeah, I don't know exactly, but I think it's uh, that's it. You just uh, sign up for it, and um, it's not as crazy as some of the other bigger races around the world where you have uh, <laughs> yeah. tickets and uh, hope for the best. Yeah, oh no, that, that, that's brilliant. And then, um, you know, I I follow you on instagram and you know you, you you do climbing and so on and i was looking you know to see what you were saying about the actual race and you said that you started off slowly um this year is have, have you changed your um you know your your race plan or was that a decision that you'd been working towards is that just how you felt on the day you know if you can talk, talk us through yeah. your, your, you know, your race management on. Yeah, yeah. On, yeah. There are many things to say about that because as I progressed from starting racing in the mountains in 2015, I was, I was humble because I didn't understand that I was getting better. And with that approach, it's easy to take it easy in the beginning. And then I think last year I was trying the other end of it and trying to push a bit more in the beginning and, go with the, with the top athletes uh, just to try, but also maybe I was um, thinking I was better than I was. And uh, I ran my head uh, in the wall a couple of times. But um, now this is something that I have to focus on this year, I think, to, to try to pace myself a bit better. And it was easy to do in this race because... Um, uh, first of all, I spent three days in Hong Kong, so it was with the jet lag and the travel and everything. I had to try to acclimatize, and the climate is different, and uh, the track is faster than I'm usually running. So there were many things that could have made it pretty difficult for me, and so I decided to go east in the beginning, and if I had the power, I would... Uh, start going a bit harder from half points that was my strategy mm. and it worked <laughs> you know you you were you were sixth um place weren't you was that something that you expected you know what you know what was your you know what was your finish time and you know because it worked so well were you happy with the the sixth place which i think is phenomenal because some of the the local competitors you know um did really well and you know for you to do sixth place i'm that that's what was sort of like picked up my ears i thought oh hang on let's have let's have a chat with with petter about you know how, how he how he did it so yeah 
performance-wise, you know, was that a good result for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy with yeah. the sixth place. And no, um, I... I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I was uh, hoping for um, 10th place and um, if possible down to towards 5th place if everything went really well. Um, Time-wise, I think I was a little bit slower than I had expected, but uh, yeah, it was very. I'm very happy in the end, and uh, very I good feeling fun. after the race. You know, being able to finish without feeling super tired and uh, and yeah, I think still I, feeling. I think, I think you say on on good. on the Instagram that you say not feeling broken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's such a regular feeling for people. So I think, you know, and whenever you are sitting on your pace for the first half, I think that can be quite liberating mentally because you know that you've got um, a stack of extra, um, you know, energy to come. How are you um, timing this? Is this by feel or have you got your, your watch? You know, how are you tracking your time with that, you know, on the go to ensure that you're, you know, hitting these marks. Yeah, with feel and um, also this time I did it by pulse. So I set some limits for myself to to not get higher in pulse than I'm for for a longer time of period. Ah, right. So you're running on your heart. So would you get an alarm on your watch when you were going over your heart rate? No, uh, or... I did it like not an alarm, but uh, I was keeping track of it and. Um, then uh, if I was, I would feel that I was going hard. Then I would glance down on my watch, and it would tell me that my heart rate was a bit higher than I wanted it to be, and I would hold back a bit more and, and, get, and allow my heart rate to slow down a bit. That's a fantastic way to do that. Um, <laughs> for one that only goes well normally with you know looking to get the time and so on, and being in a an average time. I think the average heart is you know this is probably um completely obvious to a lot of runners but for some maybe of the people that don't run at a heart rate to in a race or training this is a great learning curve and what what watch do you have um uh, what do you use i have a garmin watch which i had for the last couple of years and it has a decent battery lifetime and uh, yeah it seems accurate too, so. Cool. And, and what model is that? Um, it's a Forerunner nine something, nine hundred thirty-five or something like that. Okay. And that is that with the chest strap, or is it taking the pulse from the back of the actual? Yeah, watch it takes phase? the pulse from the from the wrist, but uh, I used uh, use it with a with a strap. The strap as well. Oh, that's excellent. And then the the climate. You know the the heat, the weather. Um, you know because it was January, wasn't it? Um, you know yeah. we've just experienced the the epic uh, the Montane Spine over here, which has been one of the main races at the start of the year. Where um, it wasn't the coldest, but it was still freezing. You know, obviously the temperatures over in Hong Kong are different. Is it a humid heat or is it a hot and humid heat? You know, what were the the levels of the, um, the weather know, over was... there? Yeah, the weather was uh, really good for running, actually. Uh, of course, it's still it's 20 degrees more than we had in Chamonix, but 
It was pretty good. Uh, it was a bit cloudy, just below 20 degrees Celsius, I would say. And um, uh, the sun was coming through a couple of times uh, for midday. And uh, yeah, you could feel the change when the sun came through and it was, it was starting to fry. But otherwise, it was perfect for running. Brilliant. And what were you hydrating with? Um, you know, what, what were you um, using um, to make sure you were fueled? So on this race, I only wore a belt and uh, I only took uh, 50 centiliter, uh, 500 milliliter for soft, in the soft flask between yep. the checkpoints. And uh, um, I was drinking water and sometimes a sport drink. Okay. And are you, was it a race where you required poles or were you, you know, running without yeah. um, using poles? This is always the question. Should I take yeah. my poles or not? So <laughs> yeah. looking at the elevation profile and um, I decided not to take any poles on this one. And uh, previously I've been running quite a lot without. It's just the last yeah. year where I decided that for the more mountainous races I will take poles in the future, but I've done like the Martin Mont Blanc in 90 yeah. without poles and yeah, it's been fine. So I think you can yeah. do good without the poles and especially in a race like this where it's, I think it's 5,300 meters of elevation gain. It's not too much and I was fine without. And what did you have on your feet? What you know, if, if, if I have a little section in the in each episode where we just go over the kit, just so people get an, an idea of you know what people are wearing, what works, what didn't, what you know, what what have you got on your feet, um, so racing wise? I went for a pair of uh, lightweight shoes because I knew it was going to be quite fast uh, running on easy terrain in the beginning, especially, and. Um, I was wearing a pair of uh, La Sportiva Helios SR, which is a really soft shoe, um, but lightweight. And I've been running in uh, fairly minimalistic shoes before, mm. and I'm comfortable with that. And uh, yeah, they were really fine for, for the whole race. And did you use just an all, you know, normal socks? Are you, um, you know, knee, knee length or... You know, what's your... No, just normal short socks. Yeah, short socks. And then, you know, you mentioned La Sportiva. Are you one of La Sportiva's um, ambassadors runners? Um, I noticed that your your vest and your shorts were both La Sportiva. Oh, yes. So this year is the first uh, year I'm running together with a sponsor, and it's La Sportiva. And, uh, yeah, I was running in, in their shorts and... Uh, uh, like a sleeveless uh, shirt and yeah pretty lightweight all of <laughs> my my gear choice for this race and I, I suppose that makes well it makes it easier whenever as you say the, the sun does burn out through the clouds and it does get warmer at different states and so yeah well done on the the hong kong hundred what was your time with that um i forgot to ask um uh, the time i did uh, 11 hours nine minutes Amazing, <laughs> fantastic! And then, as you say, you did the UTMB um, ninety in was it last year? And you got um, fourth place. 
not the UTMB, but the U, the ultra the um, Marathon Mont Blanc, which is uh, oh yeah, yeah sorry. in midsummer. Yes, and you got um, fourth place on yeah. there. What was your race strategy compared to, as you say, where you, you didn't feel broken with this one? Did you push harder, um, you know, especially with the, the, the different vert, you know, so for... This one is uh, the Marathon Mont Blanc 90 is a very steep race, but it's yeah. also on trails that I know fairly well. Yeah. And um, uh, this year it was really hot. It was... 37 degrees Celsius in the valley. So it was frying hot and you had to take a lot of water for, for it. Um, but my strategy was uh, pretty much the same. It's always a bit fast, too fast in the beginning. But then I was uh, pacing myself pretty good. And yeah. uh, that's the key, I think, for many things. Okay, for, for not being too tired, but also you are able to... Um, uh, have a better distribution of intake of energy like taking gels is much easier and everything yeah. just works much better if you're pacing yourself and then have you always you know paced to heart rate or is that something that you've you've discovered over the last few years rather than looking for you know certain times at destinations you've you've worked on your heart rate and how that dictates you you know how long have you been racing you know, like that as a, um, as a, as a monitor? I've done it sometimes, um, but it takes, took me some time to find the, um, the limits to, to what, what should I allow myself? How high should I allow myself to go? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, so that took a bit of time, but I've been doing it by feeling also, and it works quite all right too. It's just uh, a measure to not go too hard. No, I think, as you say, your proof in the pudding, uh, a British, uh, saying that it, it certainly does work by the natural uh, kind of approach and, you know, listening to, to how your body is rather than a, a projected time. So what have you got coming up this year? Because it sounds as if we've had an exciting start, you know. Um, you know, where does this go from now this year with uh, your race calendar? So this year is, uh, I'm going to try to do as good as possible in the Ultra Trail World Tour. So oh, right. Okay. What I'm, races are you doing there? So I'm going for Madeira. I'm back to Madeira again and try to do it better yeah. in April. And I will go for the um, Lavaredo Ultra Trail in the Dolomites. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Wow. Yeah. And then I will do the UTMB in in the end of um, August and, and possibly some of the other ones too, but <laughs> we'll see how much I can come <laughs> in between those. Ah, those so it kicks, the big ones. It kicks off with Madeira, doesn't it? What's the date with, with that? Um, it's in April, end of April. Oh, great stuff. Yeah, wow. So it will give me some time to train for, for that uh, race and prepare properly. And and how much you know time do you get to train? You know, uh, you know, is this full time or as well as your job? How many how many hours are you getting to train each day? So, I was listening to some other elite runners, and I 
have the feeling that I train a lot less than most people, but I'm trying to use that time as much as I, as best as I can. And uh, I have a full-time job as a firefighter and uh, I have a family, which I enjoy spending time with. And so I think I spend maybe 10, 12 hours every week for training, something like that. That's so reassuring, I think, for listeners that, um, as you say, are on their journey with, you know, different levels of running. And they hear that, you know, people like yourselves, the elites are normal. You know, you don't all sit in some elite farm and eight hours a day and, and so on that, you know, that you're, you know, you've got your family life, you you know, you've got your... I think going up and down ladders might be good practice, you know, for the yeah. UCMB with being a firefighter. Yeah. But it, it also proves that, you know, with planning and not putting too much pressure on yourself, that you can enjoy everything. And I think um, there's a lot to be learned, you know, from, you know, what you're saying there. You don't need to pack in all, all yeah, the hours. Yeah, that's the just... key word there. You said enjoying is uh, a good recipe for success too, because... I'm really enjoying moving around in the mountains and uh, running, climbing, skiing, everything, you know. So enjoying is really important. And it's becoming, you know, since we started the podcast back in December, it seems to be uh, there's like a, a thread of a lot of the successful elites mix it up like yourself. You know, you you do, you know, various sports, you know, the climbing, the skiing. It's all It's all... You know, you, you won't get bored of one of the sports that you do. It's all just enjoyment. And then your body is growing and getting stronger like that as well. So, yeah, as you say, it, it's all about fun. So, yeah. listen, Petra, I really appreciate you coming on the show because I know we've been trying. Like, yeah. I'm either out or you're up a, up a mountain or climbing or, or, or something. So, I really appreciate and it's been great fun speaking to you today. I'll probably catch up with you after a few of your races on the um, on the world tour. But from us all here uh, at the checkpoint, good luck for 2020. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.